Greetings, adventurers, and welcome to the Adventure Incorporated podcast. I am your dungeon master. My name is Anthony Reed. This is episode 91, and it is part, it is the finale of the Morevia story arc. Uh, yeah, this one I think you're going to find, like the rest of this arc, has gone maybe not the way everyone expected, and that's okay. And uh, I can't wait to talk about it uh, down the line, because uh, I think uh, this this was a very exciting for me. I really enjoyed how this all turned out, and I hope that you do too. Uh, apropos of nothing, I just want to go ahead and say a thank you to some of the show's friends, uh, Jenna from Botched Podcast, uh, Josh from Goblins and Growlers, and of course, Emily Swan uh, from the Doodle Crew. Uh, they're just amazing people. And you can find uh, links to their stuff in the show notes, and you should check that out. You can also, in the show notes, find links to the Discord, which you should also check out. Uh, but I just wanted to make sure that they got a thank you just, uh, you know, just because I like them. They're great. Uh, also, a thank you to the patrons, patreon.com slash adventure inc. Uh, boy, patrons, you're the best. Thank you. We, we really, really appreciate all of you. Uh, and those of you who aren't patrons, you can be patrons. It's real easy. You just go over there, uh, you pledge a little bit, and then you get your own RSS feed uh, that you can use instead. I put all the regular episodes up there. I put all the bonus episodes up there, all the extra content. It all goes to the same feed. Uh, and if you're a patron, you'll get it. And it's going to be... Uh, mwah. That was me like doing a chef's kiss. Like, mwah. Uh, anyway, get over there, be a patron, uh, support the show, and we will be so grateful. And also just tell people about the show. You know, that's also just a thing you can do that will help us help you. You know what? Uh, this is going to be... Let's get started. Let's just get started. You know, no more... We don't have to talk about it anymore. It's just a thing that's going to be, and I'm excited about it. Let's get started. Nobles and farmers, knights and scoundrels, gather round, gather round to hear a tale of excitement and mystery. Brave adventurers facing grave dangers. Billroth, the ranger. She's a grimalkin, that's, uh, but that's understood. No pets allowed, even though she's not a pet. I will wait outside. Everyone, if anyone needs anything, I am outside. Scarpin, the cleric. Should I just try and snipe them from over here? Yeah, okay. I did say they were as good as dead. I would hate for, for my, you know, to break my word on our first contract as Adventure Incorporated. Ellery, the bard. We would want you to leave this warehouse. He points behind him. Mm -hmm. Church! Oh, sorry. We want you to leave this church. Deerin, the wizard. He say you no worship Shattered Fang. Yeah, man, he's like super wrong. We love Broken Tooth, uh, Shattered Fang, man. Prepare yourselves, for these are the tales of Adventure Incorporated. You feel invigorated as this is lifted off of you. It's like that heavy weight you didn't realize was holding you down has suddenly dispersed completely. Uh, and the power of the accuser has been completely undone. Um, and that, that feeling starts to well up inside you. Uh, there is this, uh, this growing sensation. And Ellery, for you, it's that song. 
that song is welling up inside you again. The song you heard in the tabernacle, the song that is so bound by creation and from it, your strength just begins to flow from you. You can, you can feel it like bubbling over inside you and just pouring out. That light that radiates from you touches the four of you. And Freya, I guess. You <laughs> she's guess? There. She's there too. Yeah. I don't know if they, I don't know how invigorated Freya is going to feel, but she feels uh, but but this is You ever it, see a cat on catnip? That's what she feels. Okay, great. <laughs> um and in that moment all of you feel completely refreshed. Yo. Let's go. Thank gosh. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, uh, I have a logistical question, Anthony. Yeah, sure. So uh, you have removed some of my hit points uh, due to vampirism. Right, right. Mm. (laughs) You have. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you took those from me. How uh, full do I feel? Um, So from a logistics standpoint, right? Well, so not from a logistics standpoint. I'm not going to answer the question from a logistics standpoint. Um, (laughs) Right now, you feel emboldened. Uh, you feel as healthy as you have ever felt, uh, but you're not sure how much of that is superficially this energy and how much of that is real. Uh, all right. So let's say mechanically, uh, would I have hit points equal to my original hit point maximum? And some of those may be, or may not be. Temporary hit points, or is it a a, new number? I think, mechanically speaking, (laughs) if we had to have this conversation, that's how I would have it. We literally do because you just empowered us. We don't. We don't have to have this conversation. (laughs) You can just live with the consequences. I won't tell you about. Um, Uh, Yeah, I hate that. (laughs) Or die with them because your hit points are so low. Yes, your (laughs) maximum your maximum hit points have not increased back to their previous level. You have temporary hit points from there up to your previous maximum hit point level. Okay, great, cool. And my spell slots are like how fully refreshed do we feel? Yes, here? your spell slots are refreshed. Oh, Yo. good because I was gonna say I already cleared all mine and I don't remember what I used. So we're just step. You had one <laughs> left, and it was fully yeah. yeah. like everything. <laughs> yeah, I had one left. I had one move left, and it was gonna be good. <laughs> all right, <laughs> get a plan, y'all. Can't imagine what you could do with that. Though. <laughs> uh, okay. So you are empowered. Uh, the uh, accuser looks uh, completely dumbfounded. She, how how have you done this? No. And she starts to try to refocus and you can feel like uh, an attempt being made to like bring you back underneath this weight. Uh, and you shrug it off easily. Yeah. Deeran waves his hand and he looks up. It's the power of friendship, man. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say you, you have no power over us, but I like Deeran's better. It's a power no, of friendship. Actually, you jerk. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. Good. Good addition, Scarfin. <laughs> yes, and Ellery. 
how do our items have our items been refreshed as well? No, well, God, just take your attacks, Rob. Greedy Rob. Over here. Rob, take the spell slots. I, my I dude. just I just don't need spells. I need items. I don't. Wanna, uh, okay, Braggy. All right, uh, Deeran casts Fireball then because he needs he needed spell slots. All right, uh, and so he throws throws up a fireball. Fine. So she's gonna make a deck save here. Would you say we got a bunch of gold in this, is my question. <laughs> I, I, how rejuvenated is my bank account? How uh, heavy did our not. pockets get? <laughs> it's not rejuvenated. Uh, so uh, you you know, well up this fireball and you throw it off toward her. Sorry, I whacked my microphone. Uh, you <laughs> well up Fully this fireball. <laughs> With such force. You well up this fireball and you throw it forward at her. Uh, she is shocked that this is happening, but not so shocked that she doesn't dodge out of the way of that. So um, it explodes and you catch her in the edges of the explosion. So go ahead and roll damage. Sure. That's 34 damage if I had hit um, clean, but so she'll take 17. Yeah. Cool. No, no, this, this cannot be. I, I was promised. I was promised your souls. Scarpa. Well, looks like somebody lied to you. And Scarpa wants to yes and Deeran's fireball by casting a guiding bolt at fourth level. I'm sure this is going to go, go great. Come on. Oh, come on. Come on. The spell that hits. I believe in You're you. You're rejuvenated. You're better than you usually are. Nat 20, baby! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just Let's blew go. out that mic. Sorry, Steph, I'll mark that. <laughs> uh. Oh my goodness, that's a lot of spice. Oh, <laughs> so that's 24 plus a roll at... No, oh, at fourth level. Holy shit! So sorry. I, don't, I gotta gather some stuff. Four, five, six, seven, I don't normally six, roll damage. Six, what dice do I need? I said, <laughs> seven times six is forty-two. So two, four, five, six. Oh my god! Seven. Rude. That rules. I'm so happy. I love that this gives me advantage on my next attack too. It's excellent. Sixty-eight damage. <laughs> oh my god yo <laughs> and dang uh i i still have hunter's mark on her i think from the previous encounter. okay so yeah if, all right i like the idea that belroth <laughs> just fires these arrows at her like alongside this uh like right behind this guiding bolt so roll your attack, and then I'm going to tally everything, the whole pool up at the end of this. Here. All right. The uh, first shot is going to be at uh, with sharpshooter, so it's only plus four to hit at advantage. Uh, uh, 20 exactly. Okay. Nice. Does that, that hit? hit? Okay. And then the second one is a regular old not at advantage, I assume. Okay. And that is a uh, 19. That'll also hit. Perfect. Um, so I'm going to roll all the dice and then add 31. <laughs> if that's okay. <laughs> God, this is what fireball feels like. <laughs> 
So uh, that'll be a five of five, a three of three. So sixteen plus thirty-one. Great. So, so forty-seven yeah. damage. <laughs> oh my so goodness. this fireball comes out. It explodes. She dodges back. Uh, Scarpin just like levels with her and fires a gold, a, a guiding bolt. Uh, this beam of light that just shoots forward and streaks into her chest and like blasts out the other side, like tearing a hole in the middle of the accuser. And as she stumbles back, she's just like plugged with two more silver arrows. uh, And she like drops to a knee. um, And you can see just the color draining from her face. uh, And she says like, uh, when I return to the pit, you will regret this. Oh, I'm, I'm not so sure we will. She sputters uh, and like drops down to the ground fully as the arrows protrude out the back of her. That open wound, smoke and fire forming at the edges of the hole that Scarpin put through her chest. Uh, And then it ignites into a flame. And within seconds, the accuser has burned away to the pit. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hold on. What? How? They did that uh, how? how? How exactly? I, I, maybe I missed up. I, hold on. You said they well, just killed the accuser and send her back to the pit. Well, yeah, they were um, emboldened by the connection and the spirit that they felt for one another by their long-standing... Uh, connection to each other was able to draw out strength and power against the accuser and and, and beat back the power that she was pushing them down on them. They use the power of friendship? You don't know, do you? Okay, look, this is a story, okay? It is a story, and stories, it's important sometimes. Look, is it a better story if I tell you that they struggled for hours against her oppressive push and that they barely managed to uh, beat her down into a way as Scarpin like held her down with his shit. That's not in- more interesting. This is empowering. It's emboldening. It increases, you know, your connection to the idea of, of the people around you. Look, you've got all these people here with you tonight. Uh, people you've known for years. Have you been coming to listen to this tale? Uh, better to be connected to those people uh, and face the trials ahead. That's what the story is for. Yeah, but I feel like I, I, I'm I, more connected if I know their struggles. If I know how hard they struggled, that's when I know the connection. Yes, I too feel it is the st- the struggle and the battle part of it that actually makes me want to keep coming back to this tavern to hear these stories, to hear these tales. Yeah, but nobody wants to know that, that, that Belroth f- missed five times and that uh, Ellery cast her last spell to transmogrify the creature into uh, a human using polymorph, which just gave her a, a whole new set of health. She fell over, uh, popped back up, totally fine, and uh, just continued to assault them. They barely managed to scrape by. It was, it was honestly kind of terrible. It was very anticlimactic. This is no, a much better. No, that climactic. End. No, no, it was not good. It was not good. You, you spent four nights talking about their battle against Old Scratch, and it was almost exclusively them 
against old scratch and the back and the forth and the the trials and the tribulations and then and they were they were doing a lot of stuff and and now and now and now you want to tell me you want to tell me oh they banded together and with the power of friendship they overcame the accuser Gaswin, Gaswin, please. I'm just saying that with the story that I was telling, wasn't it interesting to see that back and forth, to see that, uh, you know, there was an upper hand to be gained over the old scratch as they battled back? To, you know, wasn't that an, an interesting and compelling way to tell the way that uh, Scarpin was able to, to reach into the minds of his friends and embolden himself and stand toe-to-toe -to -toe like a god? None of that really happened. That's not important. What happened is the story, and the story is what will carry forward. None of that really happened? Well, I mean, I it happened, it happened, but, you know, not exactly like that. None of this happened exactly like that. That's the storyteller's purview. Wait, why didn't you... So the storyteller, you... he, he took us for days through the crystal waste. We spent hours stuck in the water fighting the tentacle monsters? What? Scarpin <sighs> ate so many horses. It was weird. Well, yeah, that's, that was uh, uh, comic relief, right? Everyone, everyone had a good time at the horse eating. All right, look, I'm just saying, sometimes you have to take a little creative license. And so I have uh, taken this opportunity to share the deepest history of Tessa and where their their bond came from, where their name came from. And I used that as an opportunity to embolden them and create what I thought was a very satisfying ending to the accuser. Much more satisfying than anything that would have been there previously. Well, you, what, you, what you describe is not very satisfying at all. What you describe sounds like a children's story, like the kind I could go to the, the corner store and pick up like just a very basic, oh, and then she went to her grandmother's house and then a lumberjack came in and killed the evil wolf. Like, I, that's not, that's not satisfying at this point. I've heard those narratives. I don't need ah. a, the power of friendship. Oh, I see, Gaswin, because here is the problem. You are assuming this is the end of the accuser. Oh. The accuser has been burned, and she has been sent back to the pit. Oh. The pit is simply where she reforms. The and accuser is not dead and gone, simply mollified for now. But didn't didn't escape the pit in the first in the first place? Did, did that took like a lot of a lot of demons. They all it had did. To, it took a lot of strength and a they, lot of power to escape the pit. They all had to use the power of their friendship just to get out here in the first place. Well, uh, you could call it friendship, I suppose. Um, I would say, you know, more like varying deals and uh, the power of destruction uh, and their mutual connection within destruction, I suppose. Uh, walking the path of bones is not uh, an easy feat for anyone, especially not coming out of the path of bones. You, you're telling me you don't you don't make deals with your friends, because Vinifera and I have a great deal where I continue buying her wines, and then uh, she uh, gives me the latest gossip on wines, and I yeah, think I that's a that fabulous friendship. It's it great. It is a wonderful power of friendship. Okay, so here you go. The three of you are emboldened by this power of friendship to uh, uh, put together a great. 
wine exchange, uh, thus defeating the the beast of thirst uh, and sobriety. And interior demons. Yes. Constantly beating down our interior demons. Yes. Uh, so I think you can start to see here why I think it is so important to highlight the connection that Tessa had to one another and how they used that connection to overcome what is fundamentally a suppression of the spirit. For that is what the, the key here. That is what the accuser did. It was not a manipulation of time. It was not a manipulation of the physical world. It was a manipulation of the spirits of the people in Tessa themselves. It was pressing down on their will to continue forward. And so it was in protecting one another, in connection, that they were able to overcome that oppression of will. And however that manifested ultimately, it all was the same thing, that it was in each other they found the strength to push back against the accuser, to defeat her, and to send her to the pit. In whatever way they did that, that may have involved a lot of missing. A lot of missing. I, I guess I see what you're saying. It's just because, like, the accuser's a very, you know, she's all about, like, crushing down your will and making you unable to fight. So, like, the, the most important part of overcoming her is the part where, the part where all of you get together and, you know, you have a big group hug and you're like, hey, guys, we can do this. And then they do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you never notice in this story how infrequently we talk about the ca the the, mer the very characters that we've discussed. You know, Tessa and the many pennies before them. We almost never talk about them using the bathroom. Barely do we talk about them eating. Sometimes, but only when it's relevant. Or horses. Or horses. Yeah, or horses. Uh, that's not the interesting parts of the tale. The tale must tell the important pieces to carry forward. And that's what I'm trying to convey to you here. So take that information. Take the knowledge of how the accuser was ultimately defeated and, and bring that forward. That's, that's all I'm asking of you here. I will admit, I think I was incredibly distracted by the sexy vampires. Oh, it completely. Was an excellent element of the, sh of the tale. And I think that clouded my judgment into appreciating the true power of friendship. Yeah, I might have made a mistake with the sexy vampires. It might have been too much. Too much in the moment for the, the shirtless vampire. I apologize for that. Uh, you know, that is, uh, that is my fault. But I, I think there's a bigger, there's more to this that I need to convey to you. There's more I need you to know. And I, I think we're getting off track a little bit here. So, uh... I'm going to try and, and, and tell you a little more of this tale. Um, and it may be shocking to you, but I need you to understand what happened next. They were uh, obviously, Tessa, excited with their victory. They searched the Palace of Merevia and they found a hoard of gold that the vampires had been keeping. Uh, they gathered it up and brought it back with them through the cracked portal way that got them there in the first place. The connection between Merevia and the Brass Palace in that uh, uh, broken cavern of time. Hold Interestingly, on. Interestingly, yes, yeah. They, did, they didn't go back to the bank, the one that had all the spellstone in it, and at least oh. recharge everyone's magic items? They completely forgot. What? Was the gold oh. sexy as well? 
due to its proximity to the vampires. Yeah, I think maybe we should just pass on that. No, 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 no. This was uh, a pretty normal gold uh, that went through. Uh, now, I should say that the, the crack is uh, incredibly steeped in, in destruction magic. It, it, fascinatingly, it was created by the accuser herself when she shattered time between one location and the other. Uh, shattered both time and space and linked two locations in, an, in a parallel time space. So uh, passing through, you lose 12 hours no matter which way you go. Can we? Can we? Completely. Can we call it something other than the crack? Because I, I feel like this is a large, and very powerful, potentially deadly magical vortex. And it just makes me picture Tessa passing through a large butt into another no, place. Especially yeah. then, too, once they return to the palace where they have to embark through the poop tunnel. Yeah. It just seems too connected. There a was a lot to do with poop there. That, yeah. There's a lot of poop. Yeah, yeah. no, that's fair. Um, yes, we can call it the uh, hole. No, that's not better. Mm. What? The rift. Oh, I like rift. Rift is rift good. Rift is good. Great. It's not really accurate, but we'll go with it. Um, so... Uh, wonderfully, when they return, the siege has ended on the Brass Palace. And so no poop tunnel is necessary. Uh, they make their way into the palace and learn that it has been uh, several weeks since they left. Uh, under the uh, push of the accuser, time passed rapidly around them. Uh, their will suppressed and their bodies locked in a stasis as time progressed. Uh, the siege has ended for this place, and though not without it taking a toll, the city uh, damaged and burned, and they must make their way up to the Brass Palace, where they seek out uh, anyone from Adventure Incorporated to speak with them, uh, and who they find is, of course, Carapath, who, I don't know if you are aware, but... No, I, I'm trying to convey to you. You know, as I feel like my flow has totally been destroyed here. It's hard for me to sort of get back into the way that I normally tell this story. But this is a good opportunity to make sure some things are clear. Carapath doesn't like them very much. I don't know if that's if I've made that clear with my tone. Uh, he's not a great fan of Tessa's. I feel like that was so, pretty obvious. Okay, I'm just making sure. I don't know how far we're tracking here in terms of. Uh, you know, these, these complex relationships. Uh, this one was pretty subtle, so I wanted to make sure everyone was aware that not a fan. Yes, I find him tedious, and I much prefer Willowheart. I feel like he would enjoy my wine much, much more. Yes. Ah. Well, it was sad news indeed for Tessa when they arrived back to have this conversation with Carapath, and they learned that the siege had taken Willowheart from them. <sighs> no! He had... I know. But he was my favorite. <sighs> well, he rode out into battle to face the vampires head on as the siege waged on at night. And he was taken, lifted high into the air and dropped from a great height back down into the courtyard of Adventure Incorporated. And unfortunately, he would be no more. His truly final high. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, truly. You know, if if he had been a wizard, he could have done one of those slow folly things like wizards sometimes do. 
You know, honestly, he was probably capable of that. But I think that, you know, there's a lot going on in the moment. You know, you don't always remember, uh, you know, what sort of utility you have access to. That's uh, Will Hart. Well, and I can only assume, you know, like, he probably, before getting picked up and dropped, he probably, like, you don't, you've got to leave 110% on the battlefield. Like, you know, if you're going out there, you're going out there for the end game. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. I think Willow Hart uh, was prepared to do what needed to be done to protect the Brass Palace, to protect Mughamar, to protect the Empire at large. And, um, I, you know, his death was not meaningless. He bought time and space for the people. And that, he led a charge against the vampires that drove them back out of the city and back to the outsides while Tessa stood frozen fighting against one of the most fearsome demons this was uh, an effort and his death was not in vain though it is very sad and the tessa takes a moment here they you know they really start to understand that loss that these consequences are coming rapidly it also leaves them very few resources in Adventure Incorporated that aren't simply Carapath. He was the last of the uh, of the elders who are around now that can help them. And now they are just with Carapath. And it is in this conversation with Carapath that another familiar face comes around. That is Wesley Tallow. Now... Carapath and Wesley have a complicated relationship. Wesley, there is much of Wesley that is difficult to articulate over the course of the interactions that he has had with Tessa. But the second Wesley walked in the door, it was Deeran who launched the volley. He asked him, what have you done with all the spellstone you took in our name? And why did you break the demon stone? Now, I will say, he was taken aback, as you might imagine. Uh, Wesley took a, a beat and then answered as honestly as he could. With the spell stone, he had been working to recreate the demon stone from the shards that were gathered at the on the demon isles and reforge the stone into a new seal to block the pit and as for the breaking of the demon stone well as he told tessa in that moment it was done with all intent to harness destruction magic and use it to stop the fading and I think it's important now for me to tell you the tale of Wesley Tallow in a way that even Tessa does not know. Because Wesley Tallow was born the night of the Shadowfall, over 300 years prior. He was born the night that the shadow took over the sky, and that the heroes of old rose up against that legend. He is the last of his kind that walks the Empire. Hundreds of years ago, there was a great queen who ruled over the desert kingdoms. Her people, the Dark Elves, 
They lived underground, under the desert. She feared the Shadowfall that she knew was coming. The darkness of shadow was on the rise. Her only option was to turn to a great power and ask that it protect her people from all harm and darkness. This queen merged herself with the djinn. And in fact, you, we have talked of this queen already in our stories here, when they traveled into the Crystal Wastes. The Crystal Wastes themselves, an outpouring of the magic she brought to bear. Her people were crystallized, encased forever, protected from the darkness and dangers of the world. And that crystal spreads throughout the wastes, enveloping any who venture into her lands, seeking to protect them, but dooming them to a prison of crystal. Uh, if only she'd seen the traveling play about the man of bats and the, <laughs> the evil ice wizard, Mr. Freeze. Yes, you can only protect something for so long. I find that particular story incredibly bad. Uh, it's the worst of the man of the 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 man bat series, uh, personally. But I get I, what you're coming, what you're saying. I think it's an excellent opportunity to look at how the man of bats has perhaps become too serious in traveling plays, and perhaps should go back to his days of zany hijinks on the stage. I agree to disagree. I think uh, that's probably the worst representation of the Man of Bats, and I'm I'm much more keen on this the newer ones. It's fine. Wait. Anyway, yeah, the point that's being, fair. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> the point being that the the Great Queen encased her people in crystal, taking the Dark Elves from the land, except for one, one who had been excommunicated from her people. One who had been left to the world above. And it was she who gave birth on the night of the Shadowfall. It was she who brought Wesley Tallow into this world. Wesley's complicated relationship with the Crystal Wastes has only increased since then. He is a follower of the religion born out of that great queen. And he has spoken with her on many occasions. There is an unease, for he never really sees her as, sees him as one of her people, which in a way protects him from the magic that she has brought down. She is no longer mortal, like he is, like the others. She has become an extension of the will that she pushed into the world, a will of stasis and protection for her people. As long as he is not one of them, he is free to move separate from them. Wesley Tallow spent many years coming up in a world where magic slowly drained away. A world where heroes' time had gone and had passed. And he felt like a world had passed him by. A man born in the wrong time. Now, there were always needs for some adventurers in the world, some small pieces of forgotten magic or lore that needed to be uncovered for the waning days of their power. 
Indeed, as magic fled the lands, every tiny scrap of magic possible seemed all the more important. And Wesley filled his days searching for those answers, searching for that magic. And he was not alone. There were many others who joined him in these escapades, some people even we've talked about or learned about in our travels. The members of Adventure Incorporated were always great connections for Wesley. And there was even a time he traveled with the Emperor herself before her days as the leader of the kingdoms. Yes, Aloria Shi'ikar. We have not seen much of the Empress in our tale, but to speak of her as anything more than... She is more than just a, a ruler. She was a great force for good within the kingdoms. And there was a time when she and Wesley were quite close. Quite close indeed. Engaged close. to be married. <gasps> oh! That's what I call a twist. <laughs> Unfortunately for Wesley, that time was so long ago now that he remembers that it was... And he does not remember anything about it. Oh, no. They had a falling out. Something split them, came between them, caused division. And the only thing that sticks with them beyond the fading is the resentment and the hate. And the knowledge that love is lost. There was once something great, and there is now a void. Why? Why is beyond them? In a lot of ways, I think that is why Wesley searches so hard for an answer to the fading. Because even if it would not fix the problems between him and the woman he once loved hundreds of years ago, to know why, that is so maddening. It drives him forward. I could see that. I could. I. Maybe. I. I don't know if this is like a specific complaint, and maybe this is just me because I know like I'm not the only person listening to this story tonight. But I feel like usually you do a lot more of like character dialogue and you do the voices i really like the voices that you do most of the time and like i know i know you're kind of giving us a lot of information all at once tonight which i appreciate i love i love a good uh exposition of some of the things going on behind the story as much as anybody else but i do, i am kind of missing the voices and like so when you're you know you're doing deer and you're like hey man like it's it's all gonna be all right you know like i don't I, I'm not saying we have to do that tonight. I'm just saying I feel like it's missing. I just feel like you really took me out of it early. You know, I'm not used <laughs> to getting interrupted. And, you know, I started off doing that. And then we got into this weird conversation. And I don't, I don't really know where to go from here. And so I'm just trying to outline the facts. Well, excuse me for not feeling like the power of friendship is a very satisfying conclusion to the accuser. No, no, it's not your fault. You're, you know, you're, you're entitled to your opinion, obviously, and, and you feel the way that you felt. 
Um, and you weren't wrong. I get it. I understand. We we needed to have the conversation we had, but it it is it is hard to. Um, I I can try to do, um, a, a deer in here like a, you know, deer in upon hearing this it was it was like a, uh, hey hey man, weird. Uh, no, I can't. It's not. I can't do it. Um, look, all I'm trying to say is that Wesley deep down had his reasons now obviously the actions he took were not the actions the the outcomes were not his expectation and to a degree he blames silverheart i'm sorry um and to uh silverheart was not a name at all silver blade you mean archimedes silver blade fuck uh and to a degree he blames silver blade and i think he Wesley believes that Silverblade knew more about this than Silverblade led on to Wesley. Now, what Silverblade does and does not know, that is a story for another time. But what I can tell you now is that Wesley earnestly and truly believed he was doing at least something that he saw to have justifiable ends. See, my issue, and it was specifically pointed out to me just now, as Gaswin said, that without the accent, I am much less likely to forgive Wesley for his poor communication skills. And honestly, I feel like this could have been part of the downfall between him and the Emperor. It, it all comes back to communication and just... If he's not doing that with her and he's not doing that with them, and then we don't even get the voice, it's just, he's very problematic to root for. It's it's and making maybe. this whole part of your story that that much more heartbreaking. Like it it hurts so much worse. Maybe Vinifera, that is why we have this conversation this way then. Perhaps it is better that you don't sympathize with Wesley. Because he made truly a mistake. He, dis- he unilaterally decided to do a thing without consulting anyone that has caused irreparable harm to this whole land. Just because someone does a thing with good intentions does not make them the, the hero of this story. And perhaps he can still be a villain who did not mean to cause the harm he caused. Yeah, it's like when the group turned against Scarpin for a while when he took all their money. Very similar. Very similar. He thought he was doing something good. And yet, the damage he has done is still being brought up to this day. It is a cautionary tale. So are these hundreds of years later to the damage that can be done. Communication is key, as you have said. Trust is a is a hard thing to repair once broken. Mm-hmm. And Takes I a think spellstone. That's true. Tr- truly, and I think from Wesley's point of view, he has lost trust many times. And in this case, he found it easier to abuse that trust than to wait for it to backfire on him the spellstone that he took in their name was a small issue 
because he was using it for something that the group approved of, ultimately. But the wedge between them for his role in the destruction of the demon stone in the first place would be one much harder to overcome. But as their conversation dwindled down, there was an offer made. Wesley told them that when the time came, no one could be sure if the demon stone that he had created, recreated, restructured, would hold as he had hoped. And so when the time came, he offered himself to be placed on the other side of the demon stone, within the pit itself, to act as a guardian. If the demons should try to walk the path of bones again, at least there would be him between them and the door. Now Tessa dismissed this, but I don't think Wesley ever let it go. This seems, while noble, a very elaborate way to once again get out of apologizing and communicating with your fellow adventurers by running away and hiding behind the demon stone. Adventurers will literally do anything but go to therapy. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's true. Oh. I think to a degree Wesley saw this as a penance. He saw it as a sacrifice that he must make for the actions he took in bringing about this problem. But I think it, it was clear to Tessa in that moment just how useless that gesture would be. What would Wesley be able to do standing against the might of the demon empress and her armies? Should she march them across the path of bones again? Could he kill a dozen demons? A hundred demons? A thousand demons? Maybe? But we are talking about the futility of an onslaught that could cross the path of bones if that barrier failed. If the demon stone reconstructed from the one forged by the titans should fail, there is little that could be done. That was the conundrum the, that Tessa faced as they ended their conversation with Wesley, the Carapath, and began the month-long process of waiting for the Demon Stone to be finalized and finished, reconstructed to begin the journey back to the Demon Isles. Are, are you saying that, like, that's that's where our story's gonna pick up? Is is them going back to the Demon... Because they haven't even started looking for Belroth's sister, so that mm. seems weird. And they have, a, they have a month. They have a month to kill. They're not gonna... You're saying they're not gonna do that? Well, I would say they do use their month, that that time effectively, and we can, uh, we can have that 
That, that, that will be a great place for us to pick up next time, to tell the story of what happens in that intervening month. But you are going to be disappointed about Belros' sister. They're, they're not going to look for Belros' sister. That's not... Now, oh, come on. It's not now. No, no, not at this time. This is, uh, you know, there are pressing matters involving the demons, and, and, and ultimately, we're going to have to wait to see what happens with Belroth's sister. Our friendship does not extend to family. Yeah. Got it. Hey everyone, DM Anthony here, just reminding you that if you're enjoying the show, tell your friends, tell your family, uh, let people know, word of mouth, and you can support the show at patreon.com slash adventureinc, or you can check out the shop at adventureinkpod.com slash shop. Make sure you check the show notes and the website for all our social media, including our Discord, where you can come and hang out with some great people. We'll see you there. And until next week, I wish you nothing but critical success.